0: how to play poker 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 but do you know how to play poker well well get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games hear interviews with the stars get information on when to play where to play and how to play better poker this is poker action line a weekly poker show with your hosts big dave lemon and joe rodriguez
1: and welcome once again everyone big dave lemon joe rodriguez and uh will mention off right off the top of the show, sad news, uh, not unexpected since we have been talking about it for the last couple of weeks. But uh, one of the top ambassadors of the game of poker, Mike Sexton, passed away on Sunday. And uh, I'm going to carry an interview that I did with Mike. Uh, it was actually from 2017. We used it on the show back then. It was at the Seminole Hard Rock, but uh, you know, I thought you know, you just like to hear that voice one more time. I mean, it's just something special. Yeah.
2: Yes, it is, Big Joe. he had that that, that 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 voice that just made you want to listen and smile. That's it.
1: <laughs> exactly. And uh we will go ahead and uh get to that later here in the show. Uh and I also will talk a little bit about him and uh some of the things he accomplished in his career. But I want to start off with a World Series of Poker, which came to an end. And pretty interesting, Joe, since we always uh talk about women in poker. And uh, a couple of big events at the very end. Now, in the main event, there were two women alive going into the final day with 38 players left, two women, neither of which had a WSOP cash in their career. Okay. And as it turned out, uh, one of the women, a woman from China, uh, Wenling Gao, got to the final two to take on uh, Stoyan Madanjev of Bulgaria, she and came in second, Natalie, huh? she came in second. Yes, unfortunately she did come in second, but uh, she wins 2.7 million, which is incredible. Uh, you know, never had a world series cash and all of a sudden uh, life changing money there for finishing second on the online tournament. Uh, Madanjev uh, made 3.9 million for winning first in that event. Uh, we talked about the numbers last week a little bit. F- 5802 was the final count of entries in the tournament. So they did make the guarantee, which ended up giving them a uh, uh,
2: 20, $27 million. $27 million
1: dollars, exactly. Um, they really didn't talk about how many were repeat plays, but I guess a lot of that stuff will come out a little bit later on. But, uh, of course, the buy-in was 5000 The guarantee was $25 million. And they had uh, 23 starting flights to get there, including uh, the one the morning of day two. So uh, uh, they played down from 5,082 down to uh, 1,171 on the the day ones. Uh, That was the number of players that came back for day two. Then uh, they had planned to play down to 40. They actually got all the way down to 38. Um, We talked about it last week that Brian Pacholi from the U.S. was the – uh, chip later going in today too. So, um, pretty good. There were three bracelet winners in that final day. Uh, Michael Leck, Jonas Lauk, Picholi, and Arcadi Sinis, who is actually living in Miami right now.
3: Hmm.
2: Well, I wonder where he was playing, where, where he was playing to play.
1: That yeah. <laughs> well, he's from, uh, someplace in, uh, in Europe, so he may have gone to visit family and, and that sort of thing. um, I don't know how, uh, would would you watch a replay of the feed? You say you don't like to usually watch things that, uh, you know, are already determined. But uh, what do you think?
2: No, I mean, listen, I understand that this is, I've enjoyed it in the past where, you know, it's on a slight delay. And if I'm watching it, then I don't have a problem. Um, The only time I really wanted to watch something that I already knew the results without a problem was when Stacey Matassau and uh and William uh Kasouf had that scenario there. I wanted to see that. After I saw that, we, we kind of spoke about it and everything. Then when he got knocked out holding a, a stronger hand or something or aces against kings and he got a cooler, I also wanted to see that. And then after that I just waited until the final table and and watched it on that, you know, twenty minute, half hour delay that they had. Right, so that's that's how it is with me, Dave. I mean, you know, I uh, if I could, I'd rather see that on people that I may know, or just see the the, the the faces of the people than to see what's happening online. Because you know what, listen, I'm I'm going to take this at as as it is, but you know that woman may have had a lot of help, as anybody else in the tournament could have had a lot of help. Some people tweeted
1: that, uh, or people who uh, Mm -hmm. were backing her basically said people might tweet this. So it's not a surprising (laughs) reaction, but, uh, you know, I don't think that's really fair.
2: No, I'm not saying that it is, but it it lends itself to that type of thinking when you have someone who's, you know, fighting 5,800 people. um, And guess what? You know? (laughs) Uh, has never cashed before. We don't know really a whole lot about her. Yeah. Um that's that's a lot of you know. There's there's a lot of ways, and I'm not just talking for her because she's a woman doing this. I mean, this this could happen to anybody. It could happen to you, me, Joe. You know, none of us have, you know, well-known, uh, you know, class playing skills. And if we do make it, you know, you want to see why? You know, like like money maker. Right. When money maker won, it was fun watching him go through the players uh, because he was a relatively nobody. You know, no one knew who he was until he started getting closer to the end. So that's just how I feel about it.
1: Right. By the way, Sinis was the oldest player left of the final 38. He's 44 years old. But uh, uh, we didn't see any John Hesps or, uh, you know, older players uh, playing online. And I guess that's, uh, you know, kind of a – obvious uh, thing that happens these days
2: well to be honest with you i th- i would i guess maybe it's because they may not feel comfortable but i would imagine that being online is a little easier for for an older you know person uh, just because you know you, you don't really have to do a whole lot if you want to go to the bathroom <laughs> if you want to do this to carry your laptop with you or whatever. Uh, going to get some food, you know. Whatever the case may be, it's got to be a lot more comfortable at home and playing right. in uh, and playing in shorts or whatever it is that you're wearing, than have to worry about how you know, uh, you know, millions of people may actually see you on the uh, ESPN feed or the Poker Go feed. Uh, feed so, right.
1: Uh, well, it's uh, it's not the only uh, effort made by a woman because there was there was.
2: That was my fault, guys. My apology.
1: Okay. Uh, There was uh, another uh, milestone picked up by a woman, and that is winning a bracelet. I mean, there's been other female bracelet winners, but uh, this was kind of interesting. The very final event of the series um, was won by a woman, and uh, she's a a pretty avid poker player. Not really that well-known, but uh, her name is... uh, Malika Razavi, and she's from Iran. She's the Iranian, known as an Iranian beauty queen, and she's a very pretty woman. Uh, she won her first career bla- bracelet in the 1050 Beat the Pros Bounty Tournament, which was the final event of the series. Okay and uh, she had a very long head-to-head battle with uh, Dylan Lindy, but basically dominated the table when there was about six players left. She had uh, the majority of the chips. She had like 60% of the chips, and never lost the lead from that point on. But uh, Lindy did pick up some uh, wins in head-to-head play and got close, but uh, she picks up the win, uh, 239,000. And Lindy wins 147,000 uh, other big name players at the final table, Martin Zamani and Mike Leah and Elio Fox. So, uh, uh, you know, great accomplishment for her. Uh, she has mainly due to her uh, appearance in beauty patch, and she has over half a million followers on Instagram.
2: Good but for her. Huh.
1: But she's played in the, in the poker world for years. Uh, she finished in an EPT a Monte Carlo main event uh, last year. She finished 17th. She's also a magician and a motivational speaker. Um, so you know, people that were following her uh, pretty closely, and and she played so well that uh, you know I
2: got to think that she's going to be around for a while. Oh, good for her! Like I said, I it, it, I would have loved to have seen her play live. You know, like a you know but. It doesn't diminish what she's done. So congratulations. Yeah, during, during the break, congratulations. You, can look,
1: you can look her up on your phone and see what she looks like. <laughs> but she is, uh, she is a bracelet winner. Now the final tournament, uh, the final event of the tournament. And, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta think that, um, even though it's online and people probably were not watching as much on TV as, uh, in past events that, uh,
2: you know, it, it's, it's something meaningful,
1: I think, for uh, for women in poker.
2: Yeah, I, I'll tell you what this for everything that we've gone through in this damn year, 2020. Um, and I, I believe this is, you know, this is great for poker, to be honest with you, Dave. I mean, it's it's this is absolutely wonderful for poker that we've been able to get this off. There were some nice human interest stories. Uh, the one that stands out is the guy who drove into New Jersey from New York and played at the Whole Foods and won. Um, you know, it's, I, it's wonderful stories. It really is. And in lieu of having a live event, you know, that's what we got to live with. Let's hope that next time uh, we don't have to go through this uh, next year. Or so. Yeah, exactly.
1: Well, we'll see what happens. The other tournament I wanted to mention was uh, the one that was down to the final four players, the Heads Up Tournament. Uh, Fader Holtz, the big name in the event, and he ends up winning it uh, for over a million dollars, defeating uh, Bruno Batillon of Brazil in the final. He beat uh, Sergei Reishak of Spain in uh, the semifinals. They played the two matches at the very end, and uh, Holtz wins that tournament. Uh, Batillon actually is a GG Poker ambassador, actually works for the site, and... uh, uh, carries their patch. So uh, I'm sure they were pulling for him, but uh, um, Holtz, uh, he needed about 45 minutes uh, to take out Reishak and, and took only 15 minutes to beat Batillon in, in the final, uh, beating him in a lopsided way. Uh, so that uh, th- that's a pretty uh, prestigious event, and we know that Holtz doesn't play a lot of tournaments, but uh, he is still a tremendous player. And uh, Ryshock got close, uh, in fact, to um, getting a two-to-one lead over Holtz, but he picked up a sizable pot um, after he flopped a set of fives against uh, Ryshock's aces. So uh, that's a tough way to go down.
2: Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> very tough.
1: And then in the final against Batillon, um I think it's, it's probably a little bit of advantage if you're, if you're sitting around waiting for the guy and he's having a very tough grinding match that took 90 minutes uh, and Holtz opened up a three to one lead right away in the first level. And then uh, mended pretty quickly when uh, uh, Holtz check raised all in and uh, it doesn't give the hand here, but he, he took a big lead there and then ends up putting him away.
2: Well, well. <laughs> after you get taken like that, you get upset and it's very hard, especially like you said, who was in the ninety minute one, the the Fader or the other player?
1: No, the other player.
2: Yeah. That's
1: it gets band. tiresome. It gets a little tiresome. So yeah. okay. Uh but some big name uh champions, but a lot of brand new names. Uh I, I I don't know if uh that people will feel like it's not as much of an accomplishment, uh, but Uh, Certainly it gave a lot of people, especially in Europe, uh, opportunities to play when maybe they wouldn't be traveling overseas to come to the U.S. and play at the Rio.
2: Yeah, let's see if maybe they can, uh, you know, uh, keep growing on this, having so many people from Europe playing in this. And maybe next year when we do have, God willing, the WSOP in Vegas again, maybe we'll get a lot more people coming in because of this. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, let's talk about uh, Mike Sexton a little bit, uh, because that's uh, really the big news going around the poker world. We knew that he was very sick in hospice. Uh, he did have originally a prostate cancer that spread to uh, other organs. And, uh, you know, we talked about it on the show last week that, uh, you know, when you, you're in hospice, it's just kind of a way to uh, give you your final days and make you feel comfortable, as you know, that you're uh, not going to be around long.
2: Yep, yep. Make sure you're not in pain, and you know it's very sad. And you know, I don't know. No one saw this coming on, right, Dave? Because I told well, you know, I think they, they was did there a really mention of this a while back. I, I think they,
1: I think they did a really good job of keeping it quiet because that's what Mike wanted. Uh, he was very happy after it came out that a lot of people sent along their their wishes on Twitter and 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 Facebook. And he uh, did respond to that among his friends. But, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, he wanted his privacy up till the very end. And uh, though it did uh, get out in the public uh, in the beginning of September, it's not like, uh, you know, we knew that he had cancer a long time back. Right. That's what I'm saying. I don't think it had anything to do with uh, him leaving uh, the WPT. Uh, He has been working as a... uh, as the chairman of party poker as i mentioned uh, on the show before but he uh, has uh, uh, been away from the wpt now for uh, about 3 years which uh, seems like a long time i thought that he had yeah. actually been uh, been there longer but he was there for 15 years as the uh, as the uh, commentator of the program uh, of course, uh, Vince was by his side. Vince Van Patton was by his side the entire time. Tony Tony Dunst, by the way, has done a great job. Uh, I was tuned in WPT the other night, and Tony was one down to the final two players. Uh, he ended up he ended up uh, finishing second in the tournament to uh, Ola Shemian. But uh, uh, it's one of those things that. Uh, uh Mike always wanted to uh finish in a, on the a final table in a WPT tournament uh because he wanted to be known as a great player and uh
2: which he was.
1: Yeah, exactly. So uh there was occasionally an instance and and I talk about it in this interview with him about uh if he makes the table and he uh he's off the air. So uh you know, but it does it's, it's, he's happy about it.
2: Yeah, I think I think I remember you talking having that conversation with him but just yeah, we'll, a, we'll hear it in just a minute. But just uh, a classy man, just a classy, classy man all the way to the end. And my God, he's going to be missed so much by everybody. Right. Uh,
1: he became a poker pro, by the way. Uh, I don't think that people knew this about him, but he went to uh, Indiana University, and he uh, he was on a gymnastics scholarship. So if you haven't read his book, he does have two books. Uh, the latest one was just published in 2017, called "Life's a Gamble," which is. Uh, Uh, really about funny stories from his years in the game. Of course, he was good friends with Stu Unger and a lot of the people from back in that day. So um, we'll play an interview in just a moment. But uh, I did want to mention that... uh, uh, he was very happy with this new job. He said, "Really, I don't have to do much. I'm just kind of an ambassador that gets paid for it." But he started <laughs> out with Party Poker when they first opened in 2002. I think I mentioned this on the show last week that he actually sold his stock and got out, and it cost him, uh, you know, about a about a half a million dollars. I think, or five? Or, no, it was five so half a billion. Half a billion dollars, right? Yeah.
2: Exactly. Yeah, he wound up getting 15 million, and he probably could have gotten a heck of a lot more.
1: Yeah, exactly. Of course, he did a lot for charity. We know he was a part of the group uh, with uh, Linda Johnson, Jan Fisher and Lisa Tenor uh, called Poker Gives. And uh, I think that was the first time we had him on the show when they were doing uh, the, the big Poker Gives uh, promotion and uh, certainly uh, tremendous. Uh, he won the tournament of champions. Uh, and I was reading his story uh, for a million dollars back in 2006 Beating Daniel Negreanu in head-to-head play, they played for seven hours before Sexton wow. was able to win that tournament. And when he finished, he said he'd be donating half of the money that he won to five different charities.
2: Well, that's the type of man that he was, and you know he 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 didn't just talk the talk; he walked the walk. So,
1: six point seven million in lifetime tournament earnings, dating back to 1981. <laughs> And, uh, of course, he got his name on the trophy, which now bears his name, the Mike Sexton WPT Champions Cup, by winning uh, an event in Montreal in 2016 for $317,000. And uh, he had one World Series of Poker Gold Bracelet, which he won back in 1989 in $1,500 limit seven-card stud high-low. Good for him so uh, a tremendous career and just tremendously liked by everybody in the business nobody ever had a bad word to say about him he died on sunday september the 6th he was actually 72 i think i said 73 last week but his birthday was coming up uh, i think september 22nd something like that but um, of course uh, world series of poker Um, he's in the hall of fame for the for the for the sport of poker and uh, of course uh, Created uh, the Tournament of Champions back in 1999, uh, a new version of that, and also the Party Poker Million he started in 2001. Uh, Interesting story about that. The very first year they had it, they uh, went way short and and lost like $500,000, Party Poker did, and just wanted to dump the idea. But he talked them into uh, keeping it. Uh, and it, of course, got very successful after that. But Life's Gamble is available. It came out actually in 2016. It's on d Publishing. And he also wrote a book back in the uh, the first decade of the century, Shuffle Up and Deal, on HarperCollins in 2005. So let's hear from Mike. I, talked, I had a chance to talk to him. He gave me several minutes. And I really enjoyed it. This is actually the raw version. Uh, we We played the edited version on the show last time. But I wanted to carry the whole thing. Which uh, involves, uh, you know, countdowns and stuff like that. So don't uh, be surprised if you hear that. But this was my conversation in 2017 with Mike Sexton. Okay, Mike Sexton, counting down three, two, one. It's been an incredible year since I saw you last here in South Florida, uh, winning your first WPT title and and the book and everything. Uh, tell me about the last year, I and mean, has
0: it been like or just a whirlwind? It really has been a very exciting year for me, no question about it, and uh, I did win a WPT title, made another final table and another result, so it, uh, it's been good in terms of the poker playing, so that's great, but it's also been exciting because I did my book, as you said, Life's a Gamble, which is a fun and entertaining read. Anybody that likes poker, golf, gambling stories of any kind will love the book for sure and now here we are back at the Hard Rock down in Florida for a big season ending finale of events. It's going to be a very exciting time here coming up. And
1: it's not just the Seminole Hard Rock Showdown, which is amazingly in its seventh year, but back with the Tournament of Champions. Uh, so you got a couple of weeks here in South Florida to, to enjoy the weather and have a good time.
0: Yeah, we have the, the main event here, the 3500 by, and then there's a 10K season ending event as well, and then of course, if you're eligible to play like I am, thankfully, this year, <laughs> into the WPT Tournament of Champions. So uh, it really is going to be an exciting couple of weeks, and I'm thrilled to be able to play in the WPT TOC because, uh, you know, tournament champions means a lot to me. I created the original one in poker, I won the World Series of Poker tournament champions, and now I get a chance for the trifecta here, so I'm excited.
1: Tell me a little about the book. Uh, obviously, you had all those stories, and I'm sure you thought about it for a long time putting it together. Uh, what made you finally sit down and said, I'm going to do it now? And it was before you won your WPT, really.
0: Yeah, so many people have said, you know, you've got so many good stories in poker, you should put them together, put them in a book. And I got to thinking, you know, like I am the last link of the real old school guys, the guys that played the main event at the World Series back in the 70s to today's player. And, you know, so I am a link between those generations. And, you know, I had a lot of stuff that I thought people would be interested in reading. And so I decided to put it together and uh, I'm very proud of the book, actually. It's a really fun, entertaining read speaking of
1: old school uh what about uh, the changes in poker now obviously the online stuff has changed you were a a forerunner of the online poker scene and and started that really with a lot of people uh you know here we still are struggling after black friday uh just just hoping that maybe someday we can we can get it down here in florida and other
0: parts of the country as well well i think there's no question it's about freedom of choice more than playing poker in my opinion and you know, to tell somebody that they can't play a $20 poker tournament in their own house, you know, some people like to go to dinner, some like to go to movies, some like to shop. Well, millions of people like to play poker tournaments. And I think it's crazy that a guy can come play in a casino all day and then go home and they say he can't play in his own house. It just doesn't make sense if you think about it. So Absolutely. hopefully it changes. They'll legislate it. It's going to go state by state. But I think once it starts, everybody will pile on. It'll be a domino effect. Because I think every state will recognize, hey, we're missing out on that money. And to me, even if you're anti-gambler, which I can admire and appreciate those kind of people, if they don't want to gamble or anything, you don't have to play. Yet you're going to receive the benefits of bigger pay for your police departments, uh, more money to pave your roads, et cetera, et cetera, whatever you use the money for. But, uh, you know, millions of people do like to play. They love to take out the tax for it and help out the communities and the cities and the states and you know it just doesn't make sense to me why it hasn't passed already absolutely uh
1: when you won that tournament in Montreal and then I think the other one was a fourth place
0: finish earlier this year was at the LA Poker Classic which was good for 300k so that was nice and uh what changes
1: I mean I know how important it is to you to be recognized as a player not just your broadcasting and the other things that you do um what changed in this last year
0: Well, I got lucky. That was what changed. I mean, uh, (laughs) you know, I didn't take any bad beats like I'm usually telling when I'm walking out of the tournament room. And uh, all my hands held up in Montreal. And I even sucked out a few days uh, a couple times to stay alive in the tournament. So it was just time. It was destiny on my side, honestly. And, uh, you know, everything just fell my way that week. And I came out on top. But for me, uh, you know, just to get your name on on the Champions Cup and to be eligible to play in the Tournament of Champions the rest of my life, and have the benefits of WPT champions, that's very special to me.
1: Tournament of Champions is still about a week and a half away, uh, but unique because it has the shot clock, which was a big success. People loved it last year. Uh, Didn't really see it uh, proliferate elsewhere, but uh, we're back with it this year. A few changes, but uh, it's something I know you're a big proponent of.
0: Yeah, it's actually called the action clock, and it's phenomenal. I think every tournament, every cash game in the world, should use the action clock it's just so much better for the game it speeds it up you don't have to worry about people staring you down and even the guys that talk a lot you know they have to stop talking in 30 seconds or otherwise fold their hand so to me it only makes sense to add it everywhere and i know this once it gets incorporated everywhere everybody will be saying why didn't we do this 10 years ago this is ingenious because it makes the game better there's a reason that every pro sport As a shot clock, an action clock, uh, to speed up play, time between plays. Uh, And, you know, because it makes it better for the game, it makes it better for the fans. And poker's no different. And certainly, uh, I'm a big believer in the action clock. I I think every tournament, every cash game should have one.
1: The end of another WPT season here with uh, these two tournaments here in South Florida. Uh, I guess when you go back, what, uh, 15 years ago, would you ever have thought that uh, still be around you and Vince doing these tournaments?
0: Pretty amazing, 15 years, and we just got renewed four more years on Fox Sports, so, uh, you know, poker's good for the World Poker Tour, but what I like the most about it is how we've expanded globally in the last couple years, and Adam, our president, obviously, is the main reason for that, but, uh, you know, we were bought out by a company in China, and with the global expansion now of the World Poker Tour, we have events literally all over the world, and, you know, that's been really fun to see that evolutionize.
1: Good luck uh, this week. Let's hope we don't see you uh, on the broadcast because that means you're at the final table.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're right. That will be nice. So, <laughs> you know, it's a couple times this year I haven't had to do the ADR work, cause the voiceover work, as we say, when you go back to the studio because I was at the final table and didn't have to work. But, uh, you know, it's fun, and uh, hopefully the good run continues for me. Great year. Congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. Yeah, thank thank you, you very much. Very you nice, to nice. you. Very nice. okay. Thank you.
1: Mike was a generous man and uh, well-respected by everybody in the community. Of course, voted into the Poker Hall of Fame in 2009 and will be talked about for years to come. Mike Sexton was 72.
0: This is Poker Action Line. This
1: is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com.
3: It may be hard to believe, but people just like you are already saving money. FeedThePig.org makes it easy. Their simple savings plan teaches you how to start saving without going overboard. So you don't need to mooch off your friends. You gonna finish that grape? You mean the one in my mouth? You don't need to stop buying the necessities. What you're smelling is a natural musk. Ew. You don't need to be a medical test subject. How do you feel? Mostly okay. I... (laughs) Sometimes, though. (laughs) You don't need to get a second job as a stuntman. You just need an internet connection. Don't get left behind. Start your personal savings plan with the tips and tools on feedthepig.org. That way, you don't need to sell your soul to the devil. Fifteen bucks is the best I can do. All right, deal. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council.
1: back to the show, Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez and I'd like to lighten the mood just a little bit. There was an article I saw and I wanted to talk about uh, it was the top 10 poker quotes of all time and uh, most of these I had not heard of. Uh, Number one is one that Joe has mentioned many times so he'll get a kick out of that but uh, there's certain things you can learn from very short statements, I think, Joe and um three of them on this list came from Doyle Brunson, and that's not too surprising, I guess. It oh. one of the great poker books of all time.
2: Yep, the super system, which helped a lot of helped a lot of poker players back in the 80s when he wrote it and pissed off a lot of poker players that were that didn't want to give away the secret, didn't give away the house like he did to players.
1: Well, tell me if you've heard these, uh if you've heard any of these, and 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 basically uh, maybe we'll talk real briefly after each one on what you can learn from it. But, uh, the first one came from, uh, Benny Binion and it's trust everyone, but always cut the
2: cards. <laughs> I had never heard that one before. Me either.
1: But, of course, that comes from the day when you dealt your own cards. And, uh, you know, for the last uh, 30 years, we've had dealers at tables and that sort of thing. But uh, Mm -hmm. uh, it comes from the era where they played uh, in back rooms. And it was, uh, you know, not the most reputable of games at the time. And you could probably even go way back to uh, the Western days in the 1800s when they played poker in the the saloons.
2: That's correct. I remember now that you mentioned that. I remember... That's exactly what we did when I was in college and uh, we used to have a Friday night game, usually at my house. And, you know, like we said, we all knew each other, but we always cut the deck. That is very true. We always yeah. cut that deck.
1: Absolutely. Number nine comes from Stu Unger. Show me a good loser and I'll show you a loser.
2: Well, that, that has been true in, in a lot of different sports. Uh, and it's, I understand that. I mean, you've been done a lot of interviews in sports. You broadcast. You know, um, you you need to have the uh, that fire in your in the pit of your stomach. You know, to want to win. Which you have to win. Those that listen, and I've and I've always been one of being a gentleman. You know, somebody like this. That doesn't mean that you don't get upset. You know, if 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 you don't have the fire to go after someone. Now, to me, you know, uh, sportsmanship has always been big to me. You know, I I, I tell people, I go, look, in hockey, in a playoff series, these guys beat the living hell out of each other for however many games it is. But yet at the end of the whoever wins, whoever loses, they line up and shake hands. Okay. So that's that to me is a sportsmanship. But like, I know what he says. If you don't want to fight with fire, then just find something else to do.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, number eight comes from Doyle Dolly. Um uh, was quoted very quotable in the things he said. Number eight is Poker is war. People pretend it is a game.
2: <laughs> I I have not heard that based like that. I have said similar scenarios. People get upset. I'm sure you've been there, um Dave, where you're playing and you get along with somebody and you're really not supposed to soft play anybody. But when it's a live cash game, uh, I'm not talking about soft playing one person, but you know, if if you fought this person for a while, you may want to take it easy because you have a, uh, you know, uh, an unbeatable hand, let's say, and other people get upset. And I tell them, listen, you bet against me. I've always told people, you don't have to return the favor to me. There are certain people that, because I like them so much, I refused to, when we were heads up, to bet against them. I would check. And if they bet on me, I didn't get upset, you know. But if there was two other people in the hands, believe you me, I was going after every, every chip they had, both of them.
1: Uh, number seven is by a fellow named Dan Reed. I don't know what his position in the game was, whether he was just a player or not. But number seven is you show your poker greatness by the hands you fold, not the hands you play.
2: Very true. I had someone as I was learning poker who told me he goes if, if you don't fold winners and you know and, and it took me a little while to understand it. He was like cuz I was pretty novice to it he goes, "But if you don't fold winners, you're calling way too many hands and eventually that's just going to lead to you losing all your money." So that's what they mean by that, Dave. You know that sometimes you have to take it on faith that your opponent has a better hand. We know that's not always true, but if you're looking to find out every single time, your the, the, opponents will know this and eventually take all your chips.
1: Number 6, Amir Vahidi said, "In order to live, you must be willing to die."
2: Yeah, well, <laughs> you know where that comes from. If you don't put the chips in the center of the table, you can't win the hand, you can't win the tournament. or the, or the hand, so that, that, to me, is one how I've always heard it. If yeah, you're not he, willing you to tangle... To your, you need to take your risks, for exactly, sure. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, um, Mike Sexton in the interview we had said, hey, he sucked out, he did that. You know, There, there comes times in tournaments or in, in high-limit games and, or in any game that you need to, you know, stand up uh, and say, okay, I'm not going to get pushed around here. I think I'm going to go for it and... Uh, Eventually, you know, you learn from when it's successful and when it's not successful, and and you just have to make the adjustments as you go forward.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Number five, we go back to Dolly. Doyle Brunson said, everyone gets lucky once in a while, but no one is consistently lucky.
2: (laughs) Which means that if you're consistently lucky, that must mean you're a pretty good player, you know? And you're getting your money in, uh, you know, 80, 90, 100% of the time with uh, the better hand so people have to suck out on you or you're getting them in there, you know, where you might have a slight edge but you figure this is the time to go after that. So very true. I, I, I live by that a lot. I, I love when people are constantly say, this guy's so damn lucky. As soon as I keep hearing that, I watch how they play and then I make my own assessment rather quickly.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Number four, a fellow named Steve Badger said, going on tilt is not mixing up your play.
2: (laughs) Very, very, very true. That's just being upset, angry, and nine out of ten times, you just, as the famous saying that I used to say, uh, I'm about to barbecue some chips here, so get ready. You know, and that used to be my little my little saying to people when I was ready to go on tilt.
1: Uh, this this uh, person wrote the article said, you know, if you're trying to punish someone, you're likely just spewing money away.
2: That's correct. You know, my my way of doing that. You know what it is that Dave. You know the, you hate these people who talk a lot of garbage to you. So if they know they can get under your skin, they know that you're going to play a terrible game because they know they've gotten to you emotionally. So what I used to love was waiting for people to who love to brag by showing their bluffs and I'd smile at them and I half of the time I'd say, wow, well, you still had me beat, you know, and the other times is, oh, good bluff. you are you, I would have had you beat. But I'm all the time I'm thinking about this, that they are so capable of doing this. And in in my my experience, when I do have a good enough hand that I could play it the same way, I do wind up getting their chips because they're not smart enough to to adapt.
1: Very true. Uh, we go to the movies for number three. Uh, I believe I'm thinking that this was maybe from Cincinnati Kid, but Paul Newman said, and this is a very well known phrase: if you're playing a poker game and you look around the table and can't tell who the sucker is, it's you.
2: Yep, that's very true. I've had a lot of people say that to me before, (laughs) you know, go to the game. Uh, I know that it's been true many times, especially when I was starting out in poker. Uh, I thought, you know, the ego of the poker player, you know, doesn't let him or her believe that. But uh, eventually when you lose enough times, you have to like it happened to me. I I made the mistake of having a booking two very big wins. My first two times that I played in, in big games. And I thought I was God's gift to poker, to be honest with you. I said, I can't believe I'm working for a damn living when I can be making this kind of money. And sure enough, the next four or five times, it was always, this guy sucked out on me. This guy hit a three-outer. Why did this guy call? And it took about four or five you know, bad sessions after those first two when I got home and looked in the mirror and go, Joe, you suck playing poker, so you better learn how to freaking play this game if you want to continue. <laughs> So yeah. that's what I started to do.
1: Uh, number two comes from Jack London. And he said, life is not always a matter of holding good cards, but
2: sometimes playing a poor hand well. Well, let me tell you, I, I believe I've mentioned it on the show many years ago. But, uh, and I wish I could give credit to the person's name. I don't know it, but I kept hearing as I was dealing in private games that this guy was the greatest seven-card stud player. I finally had the chance to deal to him, and he was in seat one. And Dave, we were playing limit. I believe it was 2040 limit, a seven-card stud. He got up to make a sandwich. I said, do you want me to deal you in? He goes, absolutely. Dave, no lie. This man raised people, check-raised people, and never once, never once looked at his hand. Wow. The three, the two down cards, and then the seventh street down. All he saw was what people had on top, what he had, and it was so funny because he checked on the river, and there was two other players. One guy bet, another guy raised. He re raced and both of them folded, knowing that he had not looked at his damn cards.
1: Wow!
2: So I was in complete awe of this man, and I go, there was just way too much money in there for me to let that go for forty dollars, but. That's the reputation that he had. And afterwards, the person that told me that happened to be at the game. And I go, he goes, oh, we see this once or twice every time we play with him. Wow. So it was to me to this day, it's like the most incredible thing of of the total respect that one person got and how he played that hand out.
1: I think it was Annette Oberstad that once did that in a tournament and I believe won the tournament. So uh, that is truly uh, a test of knowing who a good player is.
2: Exactly. I guess this guy knew these people and what they were capable of doing, and I guess he figured, well, the best they could have is is X or Y or Z, and I got three cards that can match anything and probably beat them. I, I Honestly, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, but whatever he did, I couldn't believe he got a bet, a raise, and he re-raised blind, and both players, the first guy folded right away. The second guy took a while and thought about it and thought about it, and I was like, I said, there's no way in the world this guy's folding for $40 with all the money that was in that pot." And sure enough, he, he released the hand. I pushed him over, and I go, do you want He goes, nope, just put him away and put him in the muck. You know? So he didn't even give these guys the, 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 the what do you call that, uh, the satisfaction of seeing what hand he had. Right. He left them thinking. So that was, <laughs> that, that was amazing. It really was.
1: That is amazing.
2: Uh, and then the
1: final one, uh, back to Doyle Brunson for one more. And Joe, you know this one because you've said it many times on the show. Poker is a hard way to make an easy
2: living. Uh, that is so good Lord. Like, well, I kind of mentioned that early on when I thought I was going to make a good living playing poker. And I was so bad a player. But even good players. And it is a very hard way because – most poker players, as you know, Dave, and we've had a lot of great guests uh, come on the show and say uh, the biggest problem is um, it doesn't mean that they're not great players. It's just they can't control the leaks in their game. And when I say the leaks in their game, meaning their personal life, gambling on sports, you know, drugs, as you know, the case was with a lot of great players, uh, you know, there's a, there are a lot of things out there that will derail great poker players and it has nothing to do with poker so the problem is you're playing poker you're playing the hours that you want sometimes against the people that you want but uh, your life outside of poker you know that 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 demon takes over and before you know it, it's it's a lot of fun, Dave. I mean, you know, you and I are 60 years old, Big Dave. And, you know, it's 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 not the same anymore. But when we were in our 20s, I'm sure you love to party like anybody else. Right. And and, you know, you, you you learn that if you do that and you play very, very hard. I mean, Stu Unger went up and down. as we've mentioned on this show and people know because of his life history, you know, um, you know, a lot of other guys that I don't want to mention here now because there's no need to, but guys that are tremendous poker players, but have no control in, in their personal life. Right. And those demons are the ones that ruin their game and makes that statement very true. Yeah, for sure. <laughs>
1: uh, there's lots of quotes, uh, out there that kind of compare poker to life and, uh, it's a way that every, everything okay there. Are you Okay.
2: Me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I was
1: sitting, sitting
2: up in the chair. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway,
1: uh, I'll throw in the bonus quote, and that uh, comes from, I believe it comes from Rounders. Uh, the Edward Norton character at one time said, uh, life like poker has an element of risk. It shouldn't be avoided. It should be faced.
2: Exactly. And that's so true, Dave, because it's similar to the other statement where you said, if you're not willing to put your money in there, that's part of the risk factor. It's That's another way of saying that, that, um, you know, very, very rarely are you going to, you know, have, you know, the perfect cards dealt to you, get the perfect flop, turn, river, have your opponent get a, the perfect hand to call you all the way down so they can lose all their chips. Um, you know, I love telling people, and I don't know if that was on there for other quotes or not, but <clears throat> poker players know this. The uh, And you have to realize this, that the best poker hand doesn't always win the pot. And, you know, it, it takes a little while when you go, oh, really? And again, because you got to realize you don't know that you have the second best, uh, I mean, the best hand because you're holding third best or fourth best pair on the board, but your opponent has nothing. So you have to have your chances where you go, I've played enough times against this person to know that, He's very capable of making this bluff here, and if you're not, if you're not willing to one fold when when you you know when you have to or call when you have to, it's going to be a very tough way to make a living. It's, uh, it's it, you're not going to get very far in my opinion. Yeah,
1: for sure. Anyway, I thought uh, you would find that interesting. Uh, some great quotes about the game of poker, and uh, obviously. Uh, uh, there's a lot of wisdom out there of people who play the game, and I think that that goes with that last statement that uh, they know how to face life and its risks, and, uh, and they're able to use the the courage that they've developed in uh, putting together one of the top games and,
2: around. Them. And uh, Dave, I, I, I'd like to say one other thing from a gentleman that I worked for many years ago. Okay, and it hasn't come out, but when I was constantly asking him for advice. You know, as as I was getting, you know, really into poker and and he had had years playing this, he eventually said to me, he goes, Joe, listen, I can tell you everything you want to know right now. It's great to get some ideas and some strategy um, from top poker players. He goes, but if you want to be a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant, an engineer in this country, he asked me, he goes, what do you have to do? I go, huh? You have to go to college more than likely, university or college, right? He goes, right. He goes, are those educations free for most people? I go, no. He goes, well, poker's the same way. He goes, poker is, a, he goes, for the ones who are smart and sit down and because of their ego, because of their, you know, whatever it is, they play in these games that are way above, above their level at the beginning, but they realize, hey, I can do this. Well, the only way you're going to get better is if when you keep learning from your mistakes. Okay? And knowing how to capitalize when you've picked something up that, that you believe no one else has, or maybe only one other player at the table has. So that was one of the sayings he goes, he goes, Poker's like school. He goes, you want to learn how to become a much better player? You have to sit down and uh, if he goes, believe it or not, if you're lucky after you've lost five or six hundred dollars you'll know how to play poker a lot better because you'll know the mistakes you made and you won't repeat them in the future, future sessions. So Yeah. I've, I've right. always remembered that situ- that, those words. So,
1: well, uh, this last line of this story, the the fella says, just like everything else in, po- uh, in life, poker requires a lot of discipline, dedication and work to achieve great results. So uh, that, that pretty much just sums it up, I think.
2: Yep. Yep. I agree. I agree. So, Those were nice little quotes out there that made me think about a lot of stuff that I remember hearing from people that I respected throughout poker for all these last 30-plus years. Absolutely.
1: Um, Before we uh, go to some national news and, like, what's happening with the world of poker as far as uh, things reopening, uh, how are things going at uh, Casino Miami? You're back open, and Magic City,
2: uh, I guess, uh, opened over the weekend? Yes, they did. Uh, Magic City opened their uh, their poker room on Friday. Um, we actually had a very good opening week. We 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 had a, a big promotion last, you know, a week before Labor Day Monday, um, and we had great numbers. Um, we did we did uh, Wednesday and Thursday a great promotion also, which we also had wonderful numbers, and I was very happy with Fridays because. Fridays, um, we were up against Magic City reopening, so I wasn't quite sure how um, that would affect us. And, you know, it, it hurt us just a little bit, but the numbers were so much better than I had anticipated. And, again, uh, as I mentioned to you and Joe today coming on, I unfortunately developed a case of food poisoning, so we had a big day scheduled for yesterday. I saw the numbers. They emailed me. The numbers were very, very good, but I wasn't there. So right now, um, we're doing so much better than I anticipated for coming back, uh, like this. So I'm hoping it continues.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, uh, Uh, we, we still see people here in South Florida that are better than most in this state and and certainly around the country at, uh, still trying to be aware of COVID and wearing their masks and, and staying out of trouble. Um, but, uh, I got a chance last week to uh, play in a tournament up at Seminole Coconut Creek. And it was the first time that I had played at a table with the Plexiglass. Very, very weird. (laughs) takes away, obviously, the social part of the game. I mean, you Absolutely. Have to, You're trying to, the dealer says something and you didn't really hear what she said. And then you say something, she's, you know, trying to peek around the plexiglass to uh, find out. But you have to be very uh, deliberate about, uh, you know, calling your, you know, the, the the verbal part of the game and calling your, uh, right, right. and your raises and your, and your
2: calls. Well, let me tell you, and in Dade County, uh, you know that, we can't serve um any food of any type or liquor liquid liquor you know soda water cuban coffee everything has to be uh as a matter of fact at the entrance of the poker room is where you have to pay for your food and, and and anything that you're looking to to drink and they will bring it from the cafeteria to you and then we have set up out right outside underneath the valet tunnel there dave tables and chairs for people to sit down and eat nobody in dade county can have any kind of food or liquor. I don't know if they changed that today since I didn't go to work, but uh, as of yesterday uh, from last Monday, they were not allowing that.
3: Yeah.
1: Well, the the one thing we can always be happy with here in Florida is that uh, the numbers are going down, and it looks like we're finally turning the corner here. Um, The deaths, uh, you know, for a while there were up around uh, 150 to 200 a day and now less than 50. It's still not nothing. Uh, we still have to take this thing serious, but uh, basically people at the casino that run the place, I mean, they feel pretty good about uh, the operation and what they've done to be safe.
2: Yeah. I mean, listen, you know, we, we, the, the state, the city, the the county has put us on there. Everybody's on the same page. Um, You know, this time around, believe it or not, this time around, Uh, compared to the first time that we were closed and then reopened on June 12th for three weeks. I'm seeing more people adhering to the wearing the mask and, and, you know, less people that you have to actually have to tell, sir, you need to put the mask on or cover your nose. Um, And not as much complaints. I've heard the occasional, oh, this is bull, you know, this is bull crap. How can restaurants have people sit inside and we can't eat here? And I tell them, listen, it's not our call. It's it's the guy, it's the mayor of... uh, Miami-Dade, and, uh, you know, we have to respect that if we want to stay open. So uh, I thought we'd get a little more kickback, but at least as of now with me, I haven't had that much.
1: Well, again, we just went through a, a Labor Day weekend, and uh, you know, a lot of people did, were not careful. So we'll see what happens in the next week or so. But uh, you have to be impressed with what New York has done. They had such a bad situation over the summer,
2: and you know,
1: they're they've had thirty straight days, I guess, with
2: no uh, no
1: COVID deaths.
2: Well, they had no choice, you know. So they they it was a, a truly a, a life and death situation uh, for. The people who had it, I mean, um, you know, we spoke early on. I had a a lady who's a top-notch player who did lose two aunts and three cousins to it in Queens when it was in the middle of its height. Um, So, you know, people realized this was serious, that they weren't joking around. And um, I'm happy that they got those numbers to where they're at, you know, and I'm praying that we do the same here in Florida.
1: Well, just a quick note out in California, their poker rooms are not open. Uh, up in San Jose, which is up in the San Francisco area, they actually uh, have avoided the, the continued shutdown by playing outdoors, setting up tables outdoors. And I guess there's a there's a loophole there that they're able to uh, exploit there to, to keep it open. Uh, the two places that are open, one is called the uh, Casino Matrix, the other is Bay 101. Uh, and both are going ahead and operating. Uh, I know that some of the Indian casinos are open there, and there was some outcry from the uh, California card rooms that said they shouldn't be able to do it if we're not able to. But, of course, the rules are different.
2: Yeah, we we have that similar situation here. So, uh, you know, Micasuki opened up for a long time. I know that the uh, Hard Rock followed, for the most part, uh, you know, the, the mandates that the local governments or the government put forth, but Miccosukee opened up way before us they didn 't close when we closed down again here, so you know this is this is a a, a situation that 's occurring in all the states that have Indian casinos
1: yeah, there was a note that uh, the revenue uh, for the city uh, gaming tax revenue has fallen from almost nineteen million to thirteen point five million so it 's a huge uh, cut down there. And in response, the city's proposing to increase the tax rate on card rooms from 15 to 16 and a half percent.
2: Oh, so they're going to make people <laughs> who play pay more money. That's yeah. really nice.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: That's really nice. That's well, those are politicians for you, buddy. Yeah. That's as what far they're
1: as uh, Vegas goes, uh, some of the rooms have been open. Uh, they start off with some sit and goes single table tournaments. Uh, then there was all one day tournaments, but the first series of tournaments, uh, in Vegas will be at the Venetian uh, started yesterday and will last through the 27th of September, uh, a series called the deep stack showdown series. And uh, slowly, but surely we're starting to get back to, I don't know if this is the new normal or uh, the old normal, but certainly, um, you know, you have to be happy that at least we're moving back to some, some sense of normalcy.
2: Yeah. I believe, you know, I believe that, um, We still got a little bit more to go, but as long as people don't get stupid and we don't have to go through another one of these, uh, like you said, Dave, I think it's going to be the new normal, but, you know, after all the complaining and everything that we've had to go through, you know, I think the large majority of people would be happy with the new normal as long as it allows them to get on with their social life and make money and, get businesses back on back on track yeah absolutely
1: uh let's take a look at close things out with taking a look at a quick hand this
2: one came from uh
1: wslp europe and i was uh, pretty impressed with it uh there was three players in the hand Cale burns matthias eibinger and carrie katz and uh burns had five seven of spades uh carrie katz ten queen of spades
2: And Ibinger
1: had uh, pocket nines.
2: Okay. Red nines. Uh,
1: This was with 23 players left in the tournament. And uh, pre-flop, Kale Burns raised to 100,000 from the hijack. Gary Katz called from the small blind, and Ibinger defended his big blind. Those were the three still left in the hand. And the flop was queen, 5-5. So this is setting up kind of a crazy uh, setup here, obviously. Um, Queens for Carrie Katz to uh, take the lead. Uh, Eibinger pretty much blanked out on it, but uh, Gail Burns with with trip fives. Trip fives, yep. So Katz checks, Eibinger checks, and Burns checked. So they all checked around. So they're trying to set each other up, I guess. Uh, You know, um, I don't know. What do you think about that?
2: Seems pretty normal. It was a rainbow flop?
1: Uh, two hearts.
2: Okay, well, you know, at this point, you're not really putting your opponent on two hearts, but uh, you've got to try to make some money there, so I don't have a problem with, with uh, the trip fives checking. Uh, the queen, it looks nice that you got a queen, but, yeah, one of your opponents could have a five, and the guy with the pocket nines is trailing on both ends if somebody has a queen or a five, so... That's an easy non bet there. Check there.
3: Right. Uh,
1: then the uh, ace of hearts comes on the turn. So now there's okay. three hearts out on the board. Cats uh, checks and Ibinger checks. This time Burns bets. He bets two hundred twenty five thousand with his trip fives. Cats uh, folded right away, and Ibinger called.
2: Cats had the pocket nines. You know, he had the queen. The queen. The Queen, queen 10. ten. Okay, so the person who had the only flush draw called.
1: Well, flush draw, but backdoor flush draw.
2: Well, yeah, it had. there was three out there already. He had two red nines, so yeah. uh, okay. So uh, nothing nothing really wrong there. The other guy could have been looking to steal it. He might win with a heart. He could win with a nine. You know, a lot of different things there. Nothing. I don't see anything wrong right now. Go ahead. What happened on the river?
1: The river was a nine of spades. <laughs> oh, Lordy. There you go. So, Ibinger uh, now has the full house. He checks. Burns bets 600,000. Ibinger check raised to 2.2 million in Burns Folds. So, uh, you know, not a surprising end to that. Obviously, when he makes the huge bet, he knows he's got something. But he hung around and it
2: paid off. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. And now the big thing there would have been what would he have done if another heart had hit the board? Yeah. You understand? That's that's the other thing, because his opponent would have had three fives unless it was a seven of hearts, and he would have had the flush. Would he have had enough uh, gumption to, to, to push him there? So um, the other guy folded, so I guess he must have known how this man played. Yeah. Uh, so go ahead. Burns, uh, he's,
1: uh, the comment about it is that uh, Burns correctly surmised that his trips were not much more than a bluff catcher. He got away from the hand and preserved his stack, which is not always easy to do after having underrepresented on the flop.
2: Yeah. He's probably pissed off that he did not make a move for the, for the pot on the flop. But those are the chances that you take. You know, that's, that's part of the ebb and flow in poker, Dave. You know, sometimes yeah. you lose a lot of chips because you made the wrong play. Sometimes you, you know, get a lot of chips because, you, you, you know, you slowed down and people didn't believe you. So in this case – he made the bet, but he preserved his stack. Um, you know, I'm sure he's just upset that he didn't make a stronger play on the flop. Yeah. And he probably would have gotten the queen to call. I don't know if the nines would have called, but the queen would have probably called him. Just just thinking that, you know, maybe he, he just had a, a, a low queen since nobody raised. So
1: Well, we'll look at more hands in future shows, obviously. Uh congratulations to the World Series of poker winner. Uh, and the, and the two ladies that uh, did very well and made a name for Congratulations. themselves. Congratulations! Well. Uh, also, uh, our thoughts with the family of uh, Mike Sexton. He did have a he did have a wife and son. His wife Karen, and he also had a son. I think his name is Tyler. Yes, Ty. And uh, of course, brothers and sisters, and obviously the
2: whole family. Our thoughts are with them.
1: But yeah. maybe more importantly, uh, everybody that is hurt by this
2: and knew and loved him exactly we we are definitely missing a giant in the world of poker today a uh, classy 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 unbelievably nice gentleman rest in peace and uh let's steal him in in the big game upstairs you know
1: well that's going to do it for us for this week we'll be back next week with another show uh, Joe Rodriguez uh, thank you for all your help as usual uh, you don't have to drive way up from Dade so you're getting a break there but uh, uh, certainly uh, does uh, take some time out of your daily schedule Joe Costello as well uh, just coming back from uh, his racing gig up in the Midwest and uh, um, thanks for all your hard work uh, doing hosting the show for us uh, that's going to do it for us so we'll be back next week we'll work on some guests Uh, Certainly would like to get some people that knew Mike and talk about that as well. Uh, But uh, we'll move on to something else uh, next week. There's certainly tournaments coming up and we'll look what's going to happen here in the fall. Uh, Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez coming to you from South Florida and look forward to it. Of course, you can always pick us up on the uh, Hold'em radio network on the poker fuse podcast page. Pick us up wherever you get your podcasts, including Spotify or SoundCloud, are two good places to get it, or go to our website, and you can pick up past shows uh, on PokerActionLine.com. Appreciate you being with us. Look forward to uh, getting back to the tables myself a little bit more. had fun playing in that tournament. I didn't do that well, but, uh, you know, it is still out there for you, and uh, depending on your state. Hopefully, you will enjoy yourself as well. That's going to do it. We'll catch you another week uh, on the show. Poker Action Line comes to you every week, and we hope you'll be with us each time we do the program.
3: The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies.